0: Hello and welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikyori and this week we are talking about the EU membership candidates, the progress made and the silence coming from the EU side. What is the instrument for pre-accession assistance and why is there a special process to join the bloc from the Western Balkans? We are also talking about how and if diplomacy can be the solution to the war in Ukraine. Diplomats from Ukraine and Russia met in Istanbul for another round of negotiations without an important outcome. Is the war in Ukraine one of the darkest hours for international diplomacy? Now, the invasion in Ukraine has been quite awakening for the EU and the candidates for the EU membership. We did see some new candidates, such as Ukraine, for obvious reasons, of course, and uh, Moldova and Georgia wanting to join the bloc. And at the same time, we heard the voices coming from other countries, especially countries uh, from the Western Balkans, which have been waiting for decades now to join the bloc. To hear more on this, I talked to your activist Vladislav Maximov. Welcome to the podcast, Vlad. Uh, Just to offer some context first, uh, where are we at with the enlargement?
1: Well, as one very wise man suggested, I tell you today, enlargement is dead. (laughs) As we all know, the last enlargement happened with uh, Croatia joining the bloc um, almost a decade ago, but to be completely honest with you, there's been very little uh, movement for the rest of the Western Balkan six. Serbia and Montenegro, who are supposedly the front runners of the process, are years and years away from joining. The study deterioration of democratic standards in Serbia under uh, President Aleksandr Vucic suggests that uh, Serbia might be drifting farther away, not closer to the EU. And Montenegro, uh, it's a highly unstable situation. North Macedonia and Albania are waiting for the Bulgarian veto to be resolved. Uh, Kosovo <laughs> can't even get visa-free status, and Bosnia Bosnia, uh, is not a candidate yet. So uh, it's all very complex. And obviously, uh, you might have been reading the uh, headlines uh, about Bosnia, that um, the Serb uh, leader is uh, essentially threatening succession, and the entire country is unstable for way too many reasons. So this is the situation with the classic enlargement, so to say. Now, your question about Ukraine um, and uh, Moldova and Georgia. Well, both Ukraine and Georgia have essentially written into their constitution that uh, in the Euro integration is uh, the ultimate goal of both countries, and Moldova has expressed its uh, wish to join the EU. In the case of Georgia, you know, Georgia has even said that they were planning to uh, submit their EU application. Uh, sort of launched the process uh, in 2024. And Ukraine was planning to eventually join as well. But all of this has been pushed forward in a way. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Ukraine uh, on uh, on the background of the war with Russia was the first and Georgia and Moldova followed suit. Now, from a strategic perspective, uh this makes sense it is very hard for EU countries now to say no to uh to Ukraine on the one hand on the other hand saying the uh, yes to Ukraine means you know <laughs> sending a message in a way or to all these other countries in the region well you know proponents of Ukraine will say All of this doesn't matter because candidate status is a symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. Well, yes and no. Neither Bosnia nor Kosovo have been granted candidate status. So yes, of course, it's a symbolic gesture because there are a lot of steps along the road. But the reality of the situation is that it is more. It is a symbolic gesture, but it will also be a symbolic gesture to Bosnia and Kosovo, who have been promised membership in the EU explicitly a long time ago.
0: And Vlad, there is this instrument for pre-accession assistance. Does that mean that all candidate countries, uh, with Ukraine included, of course, will have access to this assistance, whatever this assistance entails?
1: So uh, the instrument for pre-accession assistance, uh, the so-called IPA, is in its third uh, generation now. It's IPA 3. And so if... Ukraine uh, was going to get candidate status, potentially they could uh, qualify for it. However, we have to remember that that money is well along the road of already being budgeted and uh, candidate countries are already applying. Unlike in previous iterations of IPA, um, there are no country envelopes. So there is no preset amount that each country would get. The funding is allocated based on priorities and the projects. So in theory, if uh, Ukraine was going to get candidate status, I guess, um, and do not, (laughs) this is going out the public, but don't quote me on this. Uh, I guess in theory, Ukraine could access uh, this assistance, but a lot of that money already sort of has a place. Um, So the commission has been touting it's investment plan for the Western Balkans, um, and the vast majority of that will be actually financed from EPA3. That plan is supposed to spend like 9 billion euros, but the commission is promising that it will mobilize 30 billion altogether, uh, which would represent a huge percentage of the region's GDP. But those promises are you know, need to materialize. It's unclear that the EU will actually be able to mobilize that much money. And when they say mobilize, what does this mean? It means that by investing into the region 9 billion, they are hoping that it will generate by attracting private investors, institutional investors. When they say institutional investors, we primarily mean international development banks. Um, You know, so they hope that by putting 9 billion into the Western Balkans, they will be able to generate another 30 billion put into the Western Balkans, which would be a significant amount of money. Now these promises, uh, uh, you know, you can either believe them or not, and it depends on the competence of the commission, but also in the economic uh, climate uh, at the time this investment will be happening. But that that is the estimate of the commission. Now, going back to your question whether Ukraine will be a- able to access this money, yes, sure, in theory. However, as I said, that money already sort of has a place and increasing envelopes, as you know, between different programming periods is next to um, impossible. And and now you can understand that uh, Ukraine's candidate status is, yes, a symbolic question, but also uh, 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 a logistical question or a, a budgetary question. Uh, for a lot of people down the line. However, I need to emphasize this is not what people are primarily are thinking about now. I don't think uh, it's, uh, this is at the forefront of everyone's thinking of, well, if Ukraine gets candidate status, then it will be taking money away from the Western Balkans.
0: Remaining to the Western Balkans, apparently there is a special process for the Western Balkans to join the bloc. What does the EU mean by special? And why do we even have a special process for the Balkans?
1: The answer to your question uh, is complex, just as the Western Balkans region. But essentially, it goes back to the, well, in some ways to the 90s, but most easy to pinpoint is the as the Thessaloniki dec- declaration. This is from 2003, uh, if I remember correctly. And uh, this is the moment where essentially the EU said to Western Balkans, uh, Balkan countries, which remember at that point, it uh, included other, uh, other countries that have since become members of the EU, most notably Croatia, um, that one day you will be members of the bloc, one way or another. So this is sort of the special status of the Western Balkans is that this promise has already been made and not delivered on. And in the meantime, you know, it's been 20 years. This is why we're talking about decades of, of enlargement in the Western Balkans. In 20 years, we have not been able to achieve that. Uh, I mean, with the notable exception of of Croatia. And so the question then becomes, if we don't have the special process working for the region that uh, we say is the priority for the bloc, and we say whose future lies in the EU, then how can we possibly make that promise to anyone else currently? This is sort of the thinking um and you also have to uh keep in mind that the credibility of the enlargement in the region has is uh, today probably the lowest it's ever been and there's always a different uh explanation for why that is it can be migration crisis it can be you know brexit it can be covid uh it's now russia's invasion but essentially it always looks like there's a reason why the EU is unable to deliver on its promise. There's there always seems to be uh, an excuse. Now, this is not to say that the countries in the Western Balkans are ready to become part of the EU. We perfectly know that uh, there are very deep systemic issues there. But uh, the argument goes, well, you know, are we really paying enough attention? Are we really paying uh, enough attention, money and support for, to the Western Balkans? Now, well, partially we have a special process because has been going on for so long, and <laughs> we keep making promises again and again and again and again. You know, um, that is why it's very special. And I, you know, the other candidate is, of course, Turkey, and we know that the, Turkey has drifted away uh, in terms of democratic standards, at least in the EU's eyes.
0: And do you think that we will keep hearing these voices coming from the Western Balkans? Do you think enlargement will be one of the topics of the EU agenda? Or do you think the agenda has completely shifted right now?
1: It's going to stay on the agenda. Of course, it will, uh, because it is would be politically suicidal and very destructive for the region. To say what uh, the French have been suggesting a couple of years ago is that you know what we need to stop the process and rethink the entire uh, situation from ground up. That would cause a lot of a lot of instability. There are also some indications that there there's continued thought about the Western Balkans. Uh, The German uh, Chancellor Schultz uh, just a couple of days ago uh, said, you know, we need to speed up the process for the the Balkans in light of the war. That will give a new impetus. Um, But as always with the enlargement, the ultimate will and the speed at which the process moves will lie with the member states. And unless there is understanding across European capitals that the status quo of enlargement may seem like a good outcome. Uh, now it is actually quite untenable in the long run and will lead to complete, um, Economic and social devastation of the Western Balkans. Uh, one thing to keep in mind: there has been a massive emigration from the region towards the EU. I mean, in some countries, it really is just staggering, particularly in Bosnia. So the question becomes: Well, who are we? Who are we going to enlarge to uh, when uh, when so many of the young brains uh, are already in uh, in the EU? So. As, a, you know, uh, following up on your question, whether a, a will go to the background, well, in some ways it might not. It, you know, there should be an incentive to bring it forward, as some of the politicians have been saying, because clearly we now see that there is a gaping hole in the European fabric um, uh, in a geopolitical situation where now we face a Moscow that uh, is, at the very least we know for a fact, is willing to militarily pursue its goals on the EU's borders. So in theory, enlargement should become all that, all the more important. Now it remains to see whether it's, it's going to be more declarations and more resolutions uh, without any substance to back those things up.
0: Well, thank you, Vlad. If you're listening to your actives beyond the byline podcast, subscribe to our podcast newsletter on youractive.com slash newsletters, and if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and AgriFood Brief Podcast. And moving to another topic, a bit more diplomatic this time, we wanted to look at how and if diplomacy can be the solution to the war in Ukraine. And to see how Russia and Ukraine can find compromise via diplomacy, I talked with your active senior editor, Georgi Godev. Georgi, how and can diplomacy be the solution to the war in Ukraine? What's your take on it?
2: Of course, uh, diplomacy is important. Uh, I think what is uh, uh, needs to be clear is that... Uh, Uh, the Russian uh, army is in difficulty, militarily speaking, uh, in uh, Ukraine. Or in other words, uh, Putin has uh, miscalculated and he risks uh, losing uh, this war. Uh, And for him, uh, this will be the end of his political career, if not worse. Mm -hmm. So Putin needs an exit uh, strategy uh, and I hope via diplomatic means. A round of talks uh, uh, took place uh, in Istanbul on Tuesday, uh, 29 March. Uh, it marked uh, some progress in negotiations. Uh, now what remains to be seen is uh, whether at a higher level uh, this uh, progress will be confirmed. It's difficult to guess.
0: So, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, this past week, diplomats met in Turkey trying to negotiate for both sides, uh, for Ukraine and Russia. Now, on the one hand, we have Russia saying that it wants to refocus its invasion efforts to consolidate ground held in the east of the country, in the predominantly Russian-speaking Donbass region. However, Ukrainian forces have started to regain ground in several key towns, giving them some possible leverage for diplomatic talks. How could these two parts try to find a compromise uh, via the diplomatic road? Uh,
2: If we uh, discuss the territorial uh, question, uh, Russia would certainly like uh, to retain the Donbas uh, uh, region, but possibly more. And this is why uh, fighting is uh, raging uh, at the key city of uh, Mariupol. Uh, Russia uh, would like uh, to have a link uh, to, to Crimea, and of course, uh, part of the uh, territorial, uh, future territorial agreement uh, would be the recognition by uh, Ukraine of uh, the annexation of uh, Crimea. Uh, but what is certain uh, uh, is that Russia no longer aims at uh, the whole of Ukraine. Uh, it doesn't aim at taking the capital Kiev, for example. It also means that uh, uh, Russia has abandoned uh, his objective of, uh, you know, regime change. They call it denazification, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it looks like this is no longer uh, the objective. Uh, And I think that an important basis for an agreement uh, for for the territorial um, issues is that uh, Ukraine, uh, apparently has abandoned uh, its ambition to join um, NATO. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, this ambition uh, is enshrined in its constitution, so they will need to change it. And uh, this will be done against some system of um, protection uh, by international guarantors, uh, such as Turkey, France, Germany, the UK, Mm -hmm. and uh, others. So it's uh, it's even more complicated when we look at uh, uh, the political aspects, but who knows, maybe there is progress.
0: Now, Zelensky said that uh, compromise might be possible over the complex issue of Donbass. What does he mean by that?
2: Well, it's not clear uh, how much of Donbass Ukraine is ready to leave uh, to Russia because the separatists uh, and now uh, the Russian army they do not control even half of uh, the administrative uh, regions of Donetsk and Lugansk. Uh, Russia probably wants uh, the whole of the two regions, so it's going to be complicated.
0: And Kremlin's spokesman, uh, Dmitry Peskov, tempered expectations pointing to the lack of uh, significant progress in the negotiations so far now this coming friday there will be another round of negotiations uh, what can we expect and is putin really interested in a diplomatic solution to to this war
2: well uh, regarding the comments by peskov uh, you know russia always plays the good cop bad cop uh, game mm-hmm. and uh, by the way uh, the talks uh, held in Istanbul uh, were at rather low level mm-hmm. and uh, this makes it very easy for Moscow to ignore the progress made at a higher level if they want. But yes, uh, it is in Putin's interest to have a diplomatic solution uh, because a military solution doesn't seem uh, to be a realistic choice unless he uses uh, weapons of uh, mass destruction which would be a huge tragedy for uh, mankind.
0: And while focusing on diplomacy, why is Turkey the perfect mediator for the talks between Ukraine and Russia? What's Erdogan's role in this?
2: Well, I cannot say if Turkey is the perfect uh, mediator, but they succeeded to organize uh, two rounds of uh, talks uh, uh, so far. By the way, these are not the only talks. There are talks held in uh, Belarus uh, as well, but let's call them the first uh, Uh, talks with an international uh, mediator uh, which is close to the Western community. And let's not forget that uh, Turkey is a NATO member. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, they succeeded to do that. Uh, uh, Turkey is interested to be a player uh, because uh, Erdogan's ambition is uh, to take part in the reconstruction of Ukraine after the war. Uh, And we can imagine that uh, this reconstruction will be mostly paid by EU money Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, Turkish firms are preparing uh, to win the tenders. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the way, they are good, so uh, why not? And uh, the ailing uh, Turkish economy badly needs the money.
0: Many countries, such Belgium and the Netherlands, are expelling Russian diplomats from their territories. Why is this happening? And is this a dark hour for diplomacy in general?
2: Dark hour for diplomacy. It's uh, in general, uh, war is is terrible because it means that diplomacy has failed. If we have war, it means diplomacy has failed. But uh, it's also common knowledge that... uh, Many of the Russian diplomats abroad are spies under diplomatic cover, And uh, maybe for the West, it's better to stop closing its eyes and getting rid of people who undermine our societies.
0: As simple as that. Thank you very much, Georgi. And our time is up for this week. I am Evy and this was Your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.